This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Man, the weapon that Tommy has as a runner and then with the bootleg stuff or play action stuff that we're doing, this thing is, you know, as, our, as the vision goes forward, it looks pretty good to me that way. I'm excited about it. So, you know, I think that what we have to do is find that drop back pass stuff that we have to do. Situationally, you have to do some of it. And we, we have to be, we, we just have to, frankly, get keep getting better at it. It's one of those things that we can use to fuel the fire for us going into fall camp because last year wasn't a year that we wanted as a defensive unit. And, you know, I think that we have a lot to prove. It's all determined on what we do with, the, with our offseason. Um, I feel like we're two or three steps forward than we were or ahead of the game than we were last year just because of the teaching phase of everything. Uh, it's more of just fixing everything uh, this offseason. And uh, going to this offseason in the summer, you know, we want to get bigger, get stronger, get faster. And then in fall camp, just uh, like I said, do the same thing we did in spring ball. And that sets the stage here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Spring football is officially in the books as the defensive team, uh, the white squad, edged out the red squad in Saturday's red-white spring game. Nearly 73,000 people on hand as it was one of the highest attended spring games in the country, only behind teams like Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Welcome here, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Dan Hoppinez. Uh, we give our full takes here on what we saw Saturday in that red-white game. And, guys, I want to start out with, I think, just the realization I think the staff has come to with Tommy Armstrong. That, you know, I think last year you heard quotes from Danny Armstrong, we don't want our quarterback to be a running back. Well, <laughs> Saturday in the red-white game, Tommy Armstrong looked like a running back a lot. We saw that in the spring. And I think that for this team – to maybe get over that offensive hump and with a young offensive line, um, I think Tommy's running ability, Robin, is going to be a big part of this season. It has to be. I mean, you look at his overall skill set, and that's where he's at his best is when he's on the move, when he sits in the pocket and has to try and decipher coverages and uh, you know go through his reads. That's when he gets into trouble and makes bad mistakes with the football. But uh, some of the best throws he's made is when he's on the run, you know, making plays is kind of an improv type guy. And, um, I think that you saw in that spring game, you know, as far as the running game is concerned, how they're going to incorporate the QB run more with, you know, some of those design draws that we saw. I think one of his 44-yard touchdown or 39-yard touchdown was on a designed QB keeper. Uh, so you'll see a lot more of that. And it just makes too much sense not to go that direction because, I mean, that's the type of player you have in Tommy Armstrong. You don't have your pocket guy now, so you got to play to your strengths. That's what the staff has been saying they're going to do since they took over, and it's encouraging at least that they're taking steps, uh, at least so it seems, uh, to, to go that route. At the same time, we don't want to go overboard here and say, oh, now Tommy's going to be getting 12 or 15 carries every game. I don't think we're going to see that. I think in this spring game, for whatever reason, the coaches, maybe they were just experimenting and they wanted to and see. And the quarterbacks it. were live, too. Let's let's put that out there. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like they were green jerseyed. But it wasn't just Tommy. It was Riker Fife. It was, A.J. Bush had a million carries on on well, when you put that on film now and every team you play is going to be preparing for that more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I, I do think we'll see more of the quarterback run game, but, you know, I don't think it's just going to 
be just this massive staple of the yeah. offense. And now. it's not just quarterbacks. You know, what, what Mike Riley said after the game is they've come to the realization that it's got to be the whole complement of the offense that's going to make this running game more productive. You know, obviously they have three running backs that they like, though none of them have separated as the number one back. And then you have a quarterback who can run the football. And they also want to get that run or the wide receivers and tight ends even more involved in the running game too. So versatility, I think, is going to be the name of this running game. You know, they want to get a lot of different pieces involved because they have the playmakers to do it. And I think that by keeping defenses on their toes and be able to mix in a whole bunch of different looks, uh, you know, while while doing a lot of different things well, I think should be a, a nice boost uh, for this running game going forward. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Dan Hoppin, as we put our final takes here on Nebraska's red-white spring game. And let's move over to that offensive line. I mean, that was a position where they were placing uh, a lot of graduates players and I think coming out of the spring they did establish some pretty good starters uh, Gerald Foster and Tanner Farmer appear to be the guards Nick Gates David Neville uh, your tackles and and presumably uh, Dylan Utter at center but I think the interesting twist that came out of Saturday guys was Paul Thurston who all along we knew that there was more to this quote-unquote uh-huh. class yeah. Yeah. that he was taking that he had to take to graduate uh, that there was um, a story and, and that story surfaced on Saturday when Paul Thurston was a no-show for the red-white game and uh, informed Mike Riley that he plans to pursue being a graduate transfer Dan yeah and uh, I actually I liked what we saw from Nebraska's offensive line on Saturday I thought that they got a really nice push and played pretty well but the thing that you worry about is Paul Thurston was at least experienced depth, at the very least, even if he wasn't going to start. Now that's just another guy that you don't have. And Nebraska, I do think they have a lot of talent on the offensive line, but not a lot of experience in there. Yeah, Nick Gates really being in utter. I mean, those two guys are returning starters, but I think there's a lot of optimism about Foster, mm-hmm. about Farmer, Robin. I mean, these guys. And Neville, too. And Neville, yeah. I mean, they, they've all come a long way, and. I think they're just comfortable now with Mike Cavanaugh in year two of the system. Yeah, and you're starting to see all this potential kind of come into fruition, so to speak. I mean, I, I think they really, really like what Gerald Foster has done this spring and what his uh, ceiling is going forward. And the same can be said with Tanner Farmer. I mean, the fact that he's kind of taken the reins uh, of that guard spot over a senior and Corey Whitaker shows just how far along he's come. And, um, you know, I think really the only question mark right now is, you know, what do they do, you know, at center going forward? You said Utter is, you know, clearly the, the front runner guy right now. But, you know, I mean, we'll see if that remains the case uh, by the end of fall camp. I think that, you know, they, they have some options there, uh, albeit inexperienced, but I think that there's some different routes they can go. But I think with that, those other four guys, they feel pretty good about the front uh the top line of that offensive line, and they showed uh, that it's a pretty good unit. Uh, I mean, albeit against the second team in that spring game. You mentioned that center spot, Robin. Michael Decker ended up getting the start because mm-hmm. Utter was hurt. I thought he looked pretty good he out did. there, especially for redshirt freshman. They say he's really smart. He's gained good weight. Yes. I, I think that's a guy who, you know, he's a redshirt freshman battling a senior, but I think he's at least going to be able to push Dylan Utter and challenge in the he- fall. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and we'll keep talking spring football, but I did want to get this in on our opening segment with Robin Washett here. Uh, Andrew White III uh, announced uh, via Huskers.com and Twitter uh, today that he, or on Thursday, that he is declaring uh, for the NBA draft but will not be getting an agent. And, and this was definitely a bombshell because he is Nebraska's top returning player in a lot of ways. 
And uh, I think this catches a lot of people by surprise. What is your take, Robin, on Andrew White's decision? Yeah, it's a deal where it sounds scary, but the actual reality of this happening, where he's not going to go to the NBA and get drafted, I think is slim to none. Uh, this is a deal that's going around across college basketball because of a new rule instituted by the NCAA this year where players uh, are kind of given a grace period to you know declare for the MA draft without an agent, which is what Andrew's doing, and basically go through the, the, the combine and the workouts and meet with teams. And then they have a 10-day uh, kind of window where they can choose to either come back or stay in the draft. And, um, I mean, it's, it's going around across the country. I mean, for a perfect example, Kentucky's entire roster, not only their, their lottery guys, but their walk-ons too, declared for the draft with or without an agent. It's so, the uh, why not rule. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? What, it, what it's best for is, you know, now Andrew's going to, NBA teams are going to know about him going into this year. I mean, he's going to, will have worked out, you know, with NBA scouts and GMs will evaluate him and uh, he'll get a grade on, you know, what where he stands kind of in the eyes of NBA teams and what he needs to improve upon. So it's really kind of a, a no-brainer decision, you know, not only for Andrew, but for, for kids across the country. And uh, personally, for this situation, I would not be worried. I would be uh, stunned if he is not back next season. And uh, like I said, I think it's just a, a thing that's uh, why not do it? Yeah, it just makes sense. I can't imagine, though, if they did this rule in football. Uh, I, I just oh, dear. I don't know if you could really get away with it. It, it would just cause way too much attrition right. and, and mess up numbers, especially like in the SEC. He would see entire Alabamas and LSUs. Uh, you know, any eligible draft player would, would be going through this process. I think Nebraska would have had a lot of guys, even like an Adamic and Sue. He might, you know, it might have led a guy like Sue after his junior year to do this type of thing just to see where he would have fell. And maybe he would have gone higher than he realized and would have left. So yeah. I'm kind of glad, I guess, if you're a Nebraska fan for football, uh, you'd be glad that they don't probably have this rule out there. Well, because it eliminates all the risk involved. I mean, you're not rolling the dice on deciding to declare for the draft. I mean, you get to go through the entire process and have the option to come back. So uh, it's one of the, the few things the NCAA actually did right. And speaking of come, not coming back, uh, Nebraska did lose a couple of defensive linemen, Greg McMullen and Kevin Williams. We'll give our takes on that situation next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. But, you know, it, it's going to be tough for the team just because, you know, Greg is one of those, you know, senior leaders, one of those a lot of people who look up to Greg. Uh, you know, he's a good role model for everybody on the team. And, uh, you know, he's a veteran player that uh, when you get down, you know, fourth quarter, that's one of those guys you want to count on. Uh, so, you know, having him gone is, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, like I said, we're going to need a lot of young D linemen to step up. And I thought, um, you know, the Davis Twins had a pretty good spring. I think Peyton Newell as well had a pretty good spring. His mind, his mind's made up. It's it's where it's where his heart's at, and that's he's following his heart. So I mean, we're gonna support him, whatever he wants to do. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska's players, uh, Josh Banderas and Nathan Gary, talking about the decision of Greg McMullen uh, to leave Nebraska, and somewhat of a shocking deal, I think. Everybody was kind of glass half full that, hey, he'll get it figured out. The young man has such a promising future. He started 26 consecutive games on Nebraska's defensive line. He's their top defensive lineman returning. He'll come back. Well, he's not coming back. And um, I think that really stole the headlines in a lot of ways from Nebraska's red-white game. I mean, the press conference with Mike Riley 
was more about three guys that left the team than the actual game itself, Robin. Yeah, and I think what's most disappointing about the, the Greg McMullen deal is just how good he looked in spring. I mean, mm-hmm. he was downright dominant at points and uh, really looked like things were finally clicking with him, that you know he was realizing that potential that uh, so many people thought you know that he had. But uh, obviously, there's one thing you can't teach, and that's a love for the game. And if you don't have the drive to you know put in the work, then uh, you know there's really not a whole lot the staff can do except you know wish you well in your future ventures. Yeah, and it, and it kind of leaves Nebraska in a tough position when you look at that defensive tackle spot. I think there's a lot of talent there when you talk about Kev Maurice and Mick Stoltenberg and Carlos and Khalil Davis, but those guys have one combined career start between them. That's that's a little bit worrisome. Yeah, they're working with five scholarship defensive tackles, and Peyton Newell should be in that discussion. I mean, he had a yes. strong spring and and improved a lot um, for his development. But uh, I think this position really needs Mick Stoltenberg now uh, to, to step up and, and be the guy we think he can be. And he was kind of becoming that guy even in the Iowa game. He made a nice special teams play where he recovered a fumble and ran it in the end zone like he was freaking um, J.J. Watt or something. <laughs> you know, and then he breaks his leg or tears his knee up or whatever the injury was during bowl practice. Yeah, that was one of the more disappointing turns of events of this offseason just because uh, he was really starting to kind of make himself a fixture in that D-line rotation. And uh, not being able to see him this spring, um, I think, probably made that defensive line depth look a little bit more worrisome than it is. But if he comes back the way that uh, you know most people think he will and is able to kind of pick up where he left off at the end of last year, uh, Nebraska's got a good one for years to come. I mean, he is built just like a freak of nature, and there's not a lot of guys that you know have that much muscle mass on him. And uh, with he's got the skill set uh, to go along with that. Yeah, he's 290 with a six pack. I mean, he looks. Yeah, I mean, I, I can constantly compare him to what Adam Carricker looked like. You know, that that fall before his senior year, where he just looked like an absolute beast. And that, that's where I get from, get get from Mick Stoltenberg. And if he's able to put it together and come back. Uh, strong off that injury. I mean, Nebraska is going to have a real key piece into on the inside of the defensive line. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we talk departures here on the defense, and it kind of stole the day. And, and another one was Kevin Williams. And, you know, this is a guy I was told that's actually had over $200,000 of surgeries done at Nebraska mm-hmm. since he's been here. Uh, a couple of knees, a wrist, uh, a number of major deals. And um, I don't know what the deal is, but Um, You know, he made some comments on an Omaha radio station uh, that were very interesting uh, after the fact, you know, saying he's leaving here because he doesn't know he'll get the same kind of draft marketability and and, and other things like that. Just weird stuff. I mean, just just don't talk. I mean, that's a good idea. Like, I I guess I don't understand if you're going to do an exit interview, um, you know, I, I just don't get the whole turn of events, Robin and Dan, on how that played out. Well, I mean, personally, this is a situation where I think Nebraska might be better off without him. I mean, yep. his, his attitude just from, you know, the, the whole process of this thing. I remember after the bowl game, I got him off to the side one-on-one and, you know, just, you know, going to do just a quick question about uh, Valentine and Collins, you know, moving on. And, you know, this, he got that sixth year of eligibility. He was going to really be this, the senior leader of this defensive line group. And, you know, is he looking forward to it? And he just said, we'll see. And that, that tells you a lot right there. Yeah. I mean, this is a great moment. Nebraska beats a quality UCLA team in an awesome football mm-hmm. stadium. It's a great bowl trip. And that's what you say. And he's pouting. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're mad you didn't get a play against UCLA in that bowl game more. I mean, that's how you come out. And I, I just, I don't know. I mean, 
I, I guess I don't agree with that, Dan. Do you? Well, and it goes back to last fall camp, too. He comes out the first day of fall camp to do interviews with reporters, and he doesn't answer any questions, and he, and he says, basically, I'm not going to talk to you guys because you've been referring to me as a backup. I am not a backup. I'm a starter. Well, Kevin, you played 23 games at Nebraska. You started four. That's not a starter. Mm-hmm. I, th- this guy, I think, just had an interesting and unique mindset the whole time and was probably not a good fit on this roster. Yeah, Kevin Williams' biggest fan was Kevin Williams. <laughs> the only thing he produced out of that, Dan, was the gif of you. Uh, <laughs> just with the... That was gold. Just my brain was dead. I had no idea what to do. I was so shocked. It was like, you were like, what just happened? <laughs> Somebody shot my dog. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was kind of my... Re- it was just so bizarre. I, I mean... I'd never seen anything like that before, especially from a guy who was not a starter. Like, it's not yeah. a stretch to call him a backup. He didn't start. And you want to talk about, you know, the the issues last year of, you know, guys not buying in. You know, you got to wonder how much 92 had to do with that, just given all the at further evidence we've seen play out over the last year. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, you know, one of the, the negative voices in that locker room uh, may have come from him. And if you guys forgot, here it is again. Um, I got one thing to say, though. This is for all media, all media that has put my name out there at all. I'm not a backup. I haven't been a backup since my redshirt freshman year, so I'd appreciate it if you guys didn't publish that, didn't put that out there as me as a backup. I'm not a backup, okay? I've been hurt twice, and that set me back, but I've never been a backup. Okay, so just to get that straight, I don't want my name out there anymore unless you got something good to say and you got me in there as a number one spot because I am not a backup and never have been. This is my redshirt freshman year. That's all I got to say, and I won't do any more interviews until y'all get that right. Thank you very much. This is where we need, like, Charles Barkley and Kenny the Jet oh, Smith boy. on here to, to give their take on that uh, yeah. after you look at the Bobby. That, that, that will still go down as one of the most bizarre quotes but uh, we wish kevin williams the best he's leaving he's leaving <laughs> clearly he's leaving <laughs> he's leaving nebraska with a master's degree uh, that's that's an accomplishment in its own and uh, i think there'll be a lot of curious husker fans to see uh, speculation is that he will end up at texas a&m uh maybe kentucky uh, those are two teams i know former defensive line coach rick kaczynski has been helping him uh, as well as um you've got vince marrow at kentucky who was his high school coach at one time in ohio so uh you got to move on, and, and and that's where things are at. Now, real quick, guys, other give me one other thing that stood out to, about the defense when you look at the spring game. And Dan, if you have anything off the top of your head, start off here. I kind of liked what we saw from Avery Anderson. I mean, he's a guy. He missed a couple tackles. He's still got a lot of learning to do. But considering you know he's a redshirt freshman who just moved back to safety, played corner last year. I was happy with what we saw from him. He had a big hit on Sam Cotton that forced an incompletion. You know, it's it's not all there yet, but you can see the the makings of a really nice player. Well, and I'll piggyback off that. Dan, you mentioned him, Sam Cotton. I uh, know all the attention at the tight end position goes to Seathan Carter, and for good reason. I mean, he's a unique talent that uh, can be a real asset. But I think Sam Cotton is going to have one of the best seasons he's had here yet. I mean, he's in by far the best shape of his career. Uh, and you saw how big of an asset he could be in the passing game. Tommy found him over the middle for some nice gains. And outside of that one you know, drop where he got absolutely leveled by Avery Anderson, uh, he had a pretty solid all, day all the way around. I'll make one other prediction here. Uh, Muhammad Barry will be yep. a special teams beast this year. Mm-hmm. He will be kind of that Ragoni, Ricky Tenars, just – get the stadium fired up guy on tackles because he's Eric a na- natural athlete and he made a lot of natural football plays. I don't think he's going to be on the base defense a lot this year. 
Uh, but I think you're going to see him make big impact on special teams. Two or three years down the road, that's a guy who could absolutely be a starter. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And uh, that will be interesting this year alone. Uh, I think Trent Bray has what I would consider five quality linebackers that could start. Mm-hmm. How he works those guys in. Michael Rose, Ivy, Josh Banderas, Dedrick Young, uh, Chris Weber, I put in that, com- and Marcus Newby. I mean, mm-hmm. those five guys are all talented. And he's got a puzzle now that he has to put together here with that position. It's a good problem to have, too. I mean, considering the injury histories of some of those guys, I mean, the, the thinking that you're going to make it through an entire season with three starters for every game, uh, or the same three starters for every game, is probably not likely. All right, when we come back here on the show, we will shift over to Husker baseball. Nebraska had a disappointing weekend at Michigan. They were swept in Ann Arbor. They did come back, though, on the midweek and get an extra innings win at Kansas State. Uh, we'll get Dan Hoppin's take on where things are at next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, now Dan Hoppin, as uh, we are going to talk some Husker baseball, and it was, uh, it's been really a rough stretch here, Dan, for Nebraska. It started with kind of an ugly series win against Northwestern, uh, where Nebraska won three to two and eight seven, but they were ugly wins. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I know um, somebody I know talked to Darren Erstad. I remember after that game on Saturday at a party or an event, and. They won that game 8-7, but he was furious. He knew the big picture. And I think now we're seeing what Erstad was so mad about after um, those ugly Rutgers wins because they lose to Rutgers on Sunday 11-3. to uh, Northwestern. Or Northwestern, yeah. excuse me. Uh, Northwestern 11-3. to uh, They lose to Creighton. That, that wasn't really a bad game for Nebraska. No, and that was a walk-off. I mean, that's one of those. It happens. But the Michigan series uh, really has kind of been the rock bottom point. A 10-6, 7-2, 6-1 loss on the road to arguably the best team right now in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And none of those games were even really as close as the scores indicated. Nebraska was pretty thoroughly dominated throughout that whole series and that's kind of worrisome now they were able to come back and and get a nice win um over kansas state on tuesday night in 11 innings and that's great but this is still still a team that i think kind of got punched in the face by michigan and they're they're stumbling around a little bit trying to find their footing and this is a a crucial point now this weekend it's kind of weird because the big 10 has an odd number of teams Everyone's Thanks, got, Wisconsin. Everybody's got that one weekend where they have to play somebody different. Uh-huh. Nebraska will play Nickel State um, on the weekend here in Lincoln. Uh, three games, uh, no television. It's your standard 635, 205, 105 start times. It's almost kind of like a slump buster weekend for Nebraska to try to you know, get it figured out because – there is a big stretch ahead still for this team in the Big Ten. Yeah, this is not a good Nichols State team. They're 16-22 and 22 on the year. Their team ERA is 526. So Nebraska is going to have some opportunities to get their offense back on track and hopefully get things rolling back in the right direction. Because like you mentioned, Sean, there's, there's a big stretch coming up, and, and Nebraska has to really find itself and try and get some kind of momentum heading into it. Well, and they're 8-4 and four in the Big Ten – uh, but I think everyone, I think when you just think about it, you're just nervous that it's going to keep going down. And you want this team to be a solid seed in Omaha. You don't want them to eke into Omaha. Like last year when they were as the, the eighth seed, seed yeah. you know, and just go in there with no momentum. I mean, you would like to see Nebraska in that four or five line, um, you know, have a chance to even be a three or two. Uh, I think winning the Big Ten seems far-fetched, but it's not out of the picture. I mean, if they can get some things figured out, but uh, there's a lot ahead of this team still, Dan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it is going to be on the road. 
that that's kind of the you know the the scary thing for Nebraska is their next couple series after this Nichols State game they're going to be at Rutgers eight that, in a row on the road yeah then at Michigan State and then the, then they finish out two home series um to close out the Big Ten slate but but that's kind of going to be that big stretch right there and I think what what makes people nervous is we kind of saw the same movie last year where Nebraska had a great stretch at the start of the season then they kind of hit a bump in the road in the middle of the year and they couldn't they couldn't find themselves. They just fell off and and uh, really kind of died down the stretch. Now the question is, can Nebraska pick itself back up on off the mat and figure something out and get going, or is it going to be the same story? Okay, you're Darren Erstad, you're Ted Silva. What do you do with the weekend <laughs> rotation right now against Nichols State? I mean, how do you play this weekend? I mean, who do you go Friday, Saturday, Sunday? I mean, uh, Garrett King – he played. He pitched, he pitched two game. innings Tuesday night. So he's probably Sunday if he's available Sunday. I mean, what do, what do you do with the <sighs> rotation, Dan? I have no idea, Sean. I I really don't. I mean, it it's going to be interesting. We're gonna um, we're gonna get a chance to talk to Darren later this afternoon, and we'll get to know what his plan is. But th- there's just been so much volatility. I mean, you know, I guess since they threw Derek King or Garrett King, Derek Burkamp will be somewhere back in that rotation. You know, Jake McSteen will make a start. I would assume that would be Saturday again. What about again. Matt Waldron then? Waldron's still out. He's going to be out at least another week with uh, that short. And that's big. Yes, because he's arguably been their most consistent starter. So, but I mean, that's a guy, he threw like a million innings in high school. They were worried about him coming into the season. And now, you know, he kind of had to take on a bigger workload. And now he's got shoulder soreness. So it's it's a mess right now. Sorry, go ahead. And sometimes, you know, when you talk about rotations, yeah, you want that great Friday guy, but that steady Sunday starter when you're not a dominant team is huge Uh because it it means maybe winning the series. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a guy like Jake Myers last weekend comes out and threw uh, three or four innings and only gave up one run. He did a great job. Jake did really, really well, but he's not stretched out. He was on a 70-pitch innings limit. And this is a bullpen that's already pretty frayed at the edges. <laughs> and uh, you know, when you have a starter who you know can only go three or four innings, you're having to rely on the rest on the bullpen. That's You're stretching those guys. Well, and Jake Myers is so valuable on the base paths, in the field. Oh, yeah. Like, He's arguably one of their best hitters. I mean, He's he, their number five hitter. He really brings so much intangible to the table that you know you wouldn't like to have to use him in the in the pitching rotation that often would you no no absolutely not I I think you know that's a guy Nebraska thought oh you know maybe we can bring him in in a couple lefty lefty situations or something this year but Myers has had to take on a bigger role because you know some guys have faltered Colton Howell got hurt uh you know now Waldron's out some of these other guys have had to take on bigger responsibilities. And it goes back to the question somebody asked me this weekend, why didn't they just take one solid Juco arm? Um, You would think that might be um, the formula you'd want to have is bring in at least one hard throwing Juco guy every year, just to kind of give you Mm -hmm. some new life in that, in that pitching rotation. And they just didn't bring anyone in that really can move the needle immediately this year. No, they did. They did have one uh, Juco pitcher signed. He got drafted and ended up taking the money and going. So, I mean, you kind of expect that with Juco guys, but I think, you know, it just kind of came down to that. They were hoping that Derek Burkamper, who's a very talented kid, but they hoped he would take a step. Same with Max Knudsen. They thought Colton Howell was going to be a starter. They hoped Zach Engelkin, you know, another really talented guy, would take a step in his sophomore year. None of those guys really did it. 
You know, and that that's just what kind of killed them. They had a bunch of guys who they kind of had some expectations for who faltered, and and that's why Nebraska well, finds itself in this position. And they're still 8-4 in the league. It's not like the season's lost. But. No, no, but that weekend rotation, it looks pretty dire right now. I mean, there's no getting around it. I, I kind of broke down the numbers earlier this week. Nebraska this season is averaging 4.1 innings per start, and their starters have a 5.51 ERA. I mean, those are ugly numbers right there. As low as we've seen in a while, especially Absolutely. with the new bats in college baseball and, and, and things they've done to kind of lower run scoring. So, mm-hmm. uh, no doubt, some questions to answer. Nebraska, Nickel State this weekend, 635 Friday, 205 Saturday, 105 Sunday. Dan Hoppen will have full coverage here for us for HuskerOnline.com. When we come back, Nate Klaus will join us as we get the full take on Nebraska's newest three commits they landed last week. And we'll also get uh, a take on uh, where things are at out of the spring game with all the recruits that were in town. That's all next here on the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus says we are going to talk some Husker recruiting here the next two segments. And it really has been um, a very, very busy start as Nebraska rolls into the spring evaluation period. Nate, three commitments for the Huskers from a Thursday to a Thursday. When you talk about the month of April, that's about as good as it gets for Nebraska. Well, yeah, especially when, you know, before the coaches have even really gone out on the road, uh, that's very impressive. And I think that um, when you look at the visitors that were in over the spring game weekend, they laid the foundation to be picking up more commits here, um, you know, possibly in the very near future. So I think the next six weeks or so are going to be very, very fruitful for the Huskers. Well, let's get down to the commitments. Let's start with the latest one. Uh, Nebraska picked up uh, their eighth commitment, right, Nate, or seventh? Seventh. Seventh commitment from uh, Delaware four-star linebacker Avery Roberts out of Concord, uh, Wilmington, Dellington, uh, w- Wilmington and, and Delaware. Uh, first ever uh, guy that's committed to Nebraska from Delaware, according to historian Mike Babcock. I mean, just a rare, rare get, especially a four-star really in the backyard of Penn State to beat them head-to-head. Uh, this is pretty impressive. Well, yeah, you know, a a year ago, everyone would have told you that this kid was probably going to stay close to home and was probably going to be going to Penn State. And, um, you know, Trent Bray offered him pretty much the minute he was hired by Mike Riley at Nebraska, and he basically just out-recruited everyone for him. Avery Roberts was able to come up for the spring game last year and was blown away by that atmosphere and everything that he saw. But it was the, the... consistency at which Trent Bray recruited him and developed that relationship that ultimately sealed the deal here. And he's the number one player in the state of Delaware. He's one of the top linebackers in the nation, a super athletic kid. when you're talking about six, one 213 pound kid that can run, he's very, very smart. And I think he pretty much embodies everything that Trent Bray likes at that position. You talk about areas though, Nate, that Northeast kind of Virginia area, even that's not been very good in Nebraska, especially when you talk about the high-profile guys over the years. We've seen, I mean, John Papuchas had some connections there and was able to get a couple of guys, but, you know, that was always an area where Nebraska almost pulled out of at times because they just weren't coming up with any results. So to get Avery Roberts, that, that says a lot. 
Yeah, it really does say a lot, and and they have had some struggles there. I know that there's been years where they wanted to really dive in and, and become you know somewhat of a force in Maryland and Washington D.C., Virginia, and New Jersey and in those areas, and and for whatever reason they just haven't ever really been able to to maintain any sort of success there. But um, but kudos to the Huskers with with Landon Avery Roberts. I mean, this is a big pickup here. Yeah, this is as I mean, you talk about getting guys from California that are. For- Four stars, but I, I just think be, beating. I mean, Delaware to me—that's where Penn State goes and just mm-hmm. gets guys. But maybe it says kind of where things are at with James Franklin right now. Maybe there's some doubt with kids and coaches in that area that maybe he's not the guy at Penn State going forward, especially with Jim Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, what they're doing, Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. This will no doubt be a big year uh, for a guy like James Franklin. Yeah, absolutely. James Franklin is probably, you know, there's there's some rumblings out there, that's for sure. And I'm sure the, the all these kids hear it, but – um, you know, and you look at his offer list too. It wasn't just Penn State that Nebraska beat out here. They beat out Clemson, North Carolina. Um, I mean, he had coast-to-coast offers pretty much. So, um, you know, they beat out a lot of very nice schools. And uh, more so than maybe a coach being on the hot seat, I, I think you have to credit Trent Bray for just the job that he did here. Once again, uh, you know, he out-recruited people uh, just by, you know, working harder pretty pretty much. You're listening here to the Husker Online shows. Nebraska has picked up three com- Commitments here in the last week, and uh, things got off Nate to a great start for the spring game weekend with Austin Allen out of Aurora, six foot eight, three star tight end, arguably the number one prospect in the state. I think that's debatable still at this point until uh, we see more. But this has kind of been something that's plagued Nebraska the last few years, kind of locking up that number one in-state guy early. And this is how it used to always be: you'd offer your guy around maybe February Junior Day, he'd be locked up by March or April. Well, to get it done with Austin Allen knowing that that wasn't going to maybe be the case at one point uh, was huge. Oh, it, it really was huge for Nebraska because um, – Especially when you when you look at it, I think there at one point it was kind of trending to be an, a deal where that was going to be you know strung out, and maybe Nebraska was going to have to go into the season or maybe even go into after the season to pick up a commitment from Austin Allen. But um, he came in the Thursday before the spring game, and you know attended practice and, and told Mike Riley right before practice started that he wanted to commit to the Huskers. So uh, it's always nice to have you know arguably your top player in your state wrapped up and. Uh, you know, he's the only kid right now at this point in time that holds an offer uh, from Nebraska that that's an in-state kid. So, um, and I think there will be more coming, but uh, for sure, um, you know, nice to get an in-state guy, but also uh, he adds a lot to that tight end position, which is a position of need in this recruiting class. They want to take three overall, and at 6'8", 225, 230 pounds, he, he's a, a tremendous mismatch there uh, that Nebraska is going to be able to utilize. What do you think got him to pull the trigger there uh, last Thursday you know I, I think that uh, I think he just felt like the timing was right I um, I know that he he knew that there was going to be a handful of tight ends on campus for the spring game and you know I think that he finally realized hey look you know Nebraska is where I want to be I don't know that uh, I want to keep stringing this out uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get it over with he he was he he was at the spring game but he had to leave early for uh you know, for his prom. So he wasn't going to be able to stay afterwards. So I think he wanted to come up early on that Thursday and and spend a little time with the coaching staff before he gave his commitment. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we break down the commitments Nebraska got over the spring game week. And uh, let, let's move over now to the offensive line. Nebraska got one the day of the red-white game. And 
Uh, I think they were kind of expecting this to come. Uh, comes out of position in need. Six foot six, two hundred and sixty pound Austin, Texas native Brendan James, uh, a five seven three star, no doubt coming into Nebraska where he could be immediate two deep type help. Yeah, this is a big pickup. Again, offensive tackle is a position of need in this recruiting class, and it's actually Brendan Hymus. I, I think uh, it looks like James or Jameis, but it's Hymus. So um, I, I think everyone out there is mispronouncing it. But I better get that. I figured out yeah. here. I got some months to get that big red or apple better have that right on it. Exactly. Air. So, um, but you know, 6'6", 260 pound kid. When you watch the film, he's tremendously athletic. Uh, I think Nebraska sees him as a guy who could play left tackle or right tackle. He, he, he's, uh, he's got that aggressive edge too, that Mike Kavanaugh really likes. He, he's kind of a bully out there on, on the field. Um, but he's athletic enough to kind of get out, uh, seal the edge, operate in space and, uh, and plays with that edge. So, um, and he kind from a powerhouse program this is a lake travis program that has produced uh you know they you know near, nearly double digit division one guys every single year uh his offensive line coach is actually the father of cody former husker quarterback cody spano um you know so that's an interesting tidbit there but uh um you know a great pickup they're everywhere in eight the oscars they're, they're they are everywhere, everywhere. I think it's a great pickup here because uh, uh, you're heading into spring ball where he's going to continue to pick up more and more offers. But when I asked him about how solid he was to Nebraska or if he was going to take any other visits or entertain any new offers that came his way, he said, no, sir, I, I don't feel like playing games. Nebraska's where I want to be. I'm completely done with my recruitment. And I think that's kind of refreshing to hear sometimes from kids. Well, and you think about the state of Texas right now and in the Big 12 in general, it's a lot of spread. And I, I think if you're a tackle – that's not really the system you want to go into if you're trying to become maybe a pro. Uh, right now, Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, they're all running non-traditional spread-type offenses that don't really produce NFL linemen, and the numbers have shown that. So I think for him, I'm guessing he looked at that and said, hey, you know what, I want to be developed more maybe to be at the next level. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I think also on the flip side of that is he he, do, he comes from a program uh, where he's been well coached, but they throw the ball a lot. And and he has a good foundation of pass protection skills. And so most Texas kids do, right? Yeah, most Texas guys do. And I think it's nice a lot of times to, to get your linemen from the Midwest. But on the flip side, uh, a lot of those guys have a lot of work to do because they don't necessarily pass the ball um, you know, as much here in this area as they do in, in different areas around the country so uh, he'll be coming to Nebraska uh, with that aggressive edge uh, he, he gets after it and run blocking but also you know, he's been coached very well as a pass blocker all right we'll keep talking more about the spring game visitors as there are plenty of other guys that were in Lincoln and we'll get Nate Klaus's take on that next you're listening here to the Husker online show This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. As we wrap up today's show, we are talking recruiting with Nate Klaus. Huskers had a busy week with the red-white game. They got three commitments from Thursday to Thursday. That's about as good of a span as you are going to see. We just got Nate's take on all of those new commitments, but there are plenty of other storylines in Lincoln on the recruiting front. Uh, 20 different plus prospects on campus, Nate, that held Husker offers. Let's first, though, start with the hashtag Calabrasca crew. <laughs> uh, is it Calabrasca or Calabrasca? Calabrasca. The Calabrasca crew, t shirts and all. They were out there in full force uh, representing. 
Um, how did that go? Could it have gone any better? No, it, it couldn't have gone any better. I think a lot of those kids that I spoke with came into the visit thinking that Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and Tristan Jebbia were kind of uh, hyping up Nebraska and not necessarily lying to them, but really giving them one heck of a recruiting pitch and, and kind of selling Nebraska, maybe overselling Nebraska a little bit. But uh, they said well, as soon as they got to Nebraska and started, you know, being recognized by fans and obviously going to the game and seeing that many people sh- come out to, to see the Huskers and seeing the Calabrasca signs and everything and, you know, signing autographs, they were blown away all those guys um you know have a a much greater appreciation for nebraska i think that the huskers moved up the list of a number of these players um you know in a handful of them are are big time big time prospects tyjon Lindsay is a rivals 100 wide receiver the number five overall wide receiver in the nation he's going to be coming back twice uh he's said he's trying to come back at least once uh this summer for more of a a low-key visit with just him and his cousin brendan Bradley Hiles, who's a, another Rivals 100 player, uh, and then they'll be coming back for the Oregon game um, on September 17th, that which is going to be just a massive, massive recruiting weekend. But um, yeah, all those guys just were were blown away by everything that they saw. You know, a lot of other guys there. One thing that surprised me, Nate, as we look at the visitors, you had Colorado athlete Dalton Keene, who's being <laughs> looked at as a tight end, come and appeared to have a good visit, but then he committed to Virginia Tech the next day. Uh, what, give us some insight on what happened there well I think it, it came down to Nebraska and Virginia Tech he wanted to see Nebraska I think he had a great time uh, at the spring game but there was a family connection with Virginia Tech there was two coaches on that staff that played football and went to college with his father and I think one of them was actually in his father's wedding uh, and so they're I mean they're they're very very close I knew there was more to the story there it, it, it's like family basically so he had the opportunity to go to Virginia Tech and basically be coached by an uncle or two and so I think in the end that was just too hard for him to turn down uh, he, he really did have a great time at the Nebraska spring game I spoke with his father and his father could not say enough great things about Nebraska and, and the spring game experience and everything but he said at the end of the day it was too hard for Dalton to, to basically turn away family and then there were also some junior college players here and this is kind of the time of year Nate I feel like if you're gonna get in on the Juco guys do it now because if you wait the whole entire SEC that needs a player is going to be on that guy, too. Um, and Nebraska's success has been getting on these guys early. Well, Isaiah Johnson, a very impressive-looking uh, defensive tackle at a northeastern Oklahoma A&M in Miami, Oklahoma, was here on campus. Um, how did things move with him, and do you think there's a chance that he could maybe pull the trigger early? I do think there's a chance that he could pull the trigger early. You could probably move Isaiah Johnson to the commit watch or, or whatever you want to call it. He's a uh, he's a massive uh, defensive tackle prospect. Absolutely loved his visit. He's developed a great relationship with uh, John Perella, and uh, you know the Perella was able to get him up on campus. He drove up here with a teammate of his, Chris Bishop, who actually is originally from Omaha. Lived in Omaha for uh, about seven or eight years growing up, and uh, went. To to, went to elementary school and middle school with Michael Decker. And so uh, that's kind of an interesting connection there. But uh, both those guys absolutely love Nebraska. And Isaiah Johnson is, I mean, he's going to be one of the, the more highly sought after defensive tackles in, in all the junior college ranks. And uh, and I agree with you. I think that if you're sure about a guy, you know, right now,
now is the time to strike with those JUCO prospects. Especially with Nebraska's need. Exactly. You, you don't want to wait until the fall and, and um, kind of drag your feet because all of a sudden a kid with five or six offers, um, you know, blows up in a matter of weeks to, to having 25 or 26 offers. I mean, that's how fast things happen in the fall. So if you can, uh, it, I think it's wise to get these guys wrapped up now. And I think Isaiah Johnson is uh, one of those one of those prospects that could be pulling the trigger for Nebraska soon. Now you had a couple of other guys here with interesting connections on campus for the spring game. You had Jake Ferguson out of Madison Memorial uh, committed to Wisconsin, the grandson of Barry Alvarez. No surprise. His dad and mom, his dad played for Nebraska, yep. had a chance to visit with him a little bit on Saturday. He is sticking with his commit. Uh, but another one, Nate, Ben Miles, the son of former um, or LSU head coach, excuse me, not former. He almost was former at one point <laughs> last year, but LSU head coach Les Miles, uh, the connection that they are a Big Ten family. Uh, Les Miles' his wife was once the women's basketball coach at Michigan, and uh, Les Miles obviously coached at Michigan for a number mm-hmm. of years as well. Uh, very interesting to see his son up here on a visit, and it sounds like things did go good. Yeah, things went extremely well, and he said that Nebraska is a legit contender, you know, and one of his top teams on his list now after this visit, and along with LSU. And and what's what's you know surprising to me is that he hasn't jumped on that LSU offer. He's had it now for three or four months, and he hasn't he hasn't committed to them yet. He hasn't committed to his father, and and to me, I think that is a little bit telling. Um, obviously. Obviously, uh, you know, his his dad is telling him to kind of go through the process and, and, you know, check out some other options, check out some other schools. And, and that's what he's been doing. And, and he continues to pick up more offers. But I think he's very intrigued by this offense, how he would be used in this offense as kind of a H-back. You know, he could even be a, a lead back in, um, in short yardage situations, uh, a fullback or an H-back guy to, to catch or block out of the backfield. So a uh, very versatile player, but he really, really likes Mike Riley. And, and he was saying that, you know, his father actually wanted to come up on this trip with him, uh, but didn't want to create any sort of distraction. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of speaks volumes as, as for Mike Riley. A lot of coaches that I've talked to when Riley was hired, they told me, hey, he's the type of coach I'd like to have my kid play for. And I think we're kind of seeing that happen right now. You know, lastly, Nate, let's talk some in-state stuff here. Uh, a number of guys were here, particularly on the lines. And, and when you look at the lineman class right now in Nebraska, Another guy just got an offer yesterday, Chris Williams. Kevin uh, Williams, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, out of Omaha North, picked up a Nevada offer. His first offer, Larry Martin told me a graduate assistant just looked him up online, did some detective work, and that's how they found him and offered him. Um, then you have Patrick Arnold with a Wyoming offer out of Gretna. Um, you have guys like uh, Brett Cottrell has a South Dakota State offer, Rudy Stauffer, Wyoming offer. Um, you, you've got a guy like Logan Strom with a Wyoming offer. This is really shaping up to be as good of a year on the lines as we've seen, particularly with tackle bodies as well. Yeah, I don't remember the last time we've saw, you know, we have seen this many legitimate Division One offensive linemen in the state. It, slash tackles. Yeah, slash tackles. I mean, it's been a long time, and uh, I wouldn't, I don't think it's out of the question to think that, you know, Nebraska could conceivably fill, you know, the majority of their the the rest of their offensive line in this class with in-state kids. You know, if these guys perform well at camp, you could see a Logan Strong pick up an offer as another offensive tackle to go along with Brendan Hymas. 
you could see, um, you know, two or three interior linemen like a Patrick Arnold or, a, you know, Brett Cottrell even, or Trent Hickson is a guy that they're looking at. I still think Chris Walker is somebody that's going to emerge from yep. Lincoln East. It's just a matter of nobody knows who the kid is yet. But when you see this guy, 6'6", uh, 270, 340 bench, that is nasty. I think he's someone that's going to get a lot of looks from Lincoln East, too. Yeah, he's going to blow up this camp season. He doesn't really have any film on his huddle page right now, so I think that's kind of hurt him in terms of uh, exposure. But uh, he's most definitely a kid who's going to garner a lot more of interest here and, and probably be picking up – you know, those uh, those Dakotas and the Wyomings here sooner than later, um, you know, now that the spring evaluation period is getting underway. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of those in-state guys that, that fit the mold along the O-line, D-line, uh, you know, and, and uh, I think this camp season is going to be extremely important to, for Nebraska to kind of vet out all those guys and, and do their due diligence and deciding, okay, um, you know, this is who this is who we're going to go with. This is who we're going to offer here. And it will be fun for us. We'll get a chance to see all these guys in Kansas City here in a few weeks at the Rivals Camp Series event on May 15th. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. For Nate Klaus, I'm Sean Callahan. We'll be back again next week. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 